Hello and welcome. My name is Caitlin and I'm the host of Beauty is Eternal, the art of being your best self for women. This podcast is dedicated to showing modern women new ways to lead fulfilling and enriching lives, including three facets, beauty, brilliance, and being. Topics include everything from meditation and spiritual development, to nutrition and exercise, to business and finance, to love and romance, and finally to family and even to the universe. I go under your skin and in depth into the topics that genuinely matter to women in the world. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to episode one of Beauty is Eternal. Today's episode is called The Special Algorithm, How and Why a Couple Works While Traveling the World Together. There is an increasing interest in traveling while working remotely as a so-called digital nomad. Although many people would like to do it, it is a minority of people who have found ways to navigate this path successfully. My guest today is Lars Neumann. Lars is Finnish and owns a marketing company and has been together with his girlfriend Valeria for three years. Valeria is Russian and works as a freelance UX and graphic designer. With a phone, a computer, and a suitcase apiece, they have pursued working holidays in Thailand, Bali, Russia, Finland, Germany, Portugal, Spain, and more. When they met in Berlin, Lars had already been working remotely for four years, but Valeria still had to transition from full-time employee to freelance worker in order to make it possible to work and travel with Lars. I'm interviewing Lars to share their story for others who want to become location-independent workers. What I want to find out is, why and how did they first decide to become digital nomads? What steps do they need to take to make it happen? And what challenges have they had to overcome on the way? How does a couple make it work living together on the road? All that and more starting now. Lars, thanks so much for joining me and being my first guest here. Thank you. I'm honored. So you have been a digital nomad for some years now. Tell me, Lars, mm-hmm. how did you first get the idea to have this lifestyle? Well, I think I got the idea um, as a as a normal kind of corporate office worker uh, living in London at the time and uh, basically traveling into work every morning, spending an hour on the commute, more or less. Uh, only to kind of sit in front of a computer next to other co-workers and kind of do our work and nip into a meeting every once in a while and then spending another hour to go to go home from work or wherever you're heading and thinking, well, there must be a better way to this thing. I mean, I could do all of this from, from anywhere, from home or from, you know, Spain or Thailand or, or, or anywhere. So I figured there must be a better way. There must be a way to have a uh, a job or some kind of occupation and still enjoy, you know, the liberty of spending your time where you want to. So that's kind of the how the idea came about. So you saw the possibility to have a more efficient lifestyle. Yeah, and I'm not sure about the efficient thing, but certainly an alternative way of doing things. So if you if you work in something like technology, then then it is um, you, you can certainly be location independent and still be as productive, if not more productive even, um, and still get, you know, do everything you need to do. Uh, and uh, yeah, just only on on your own terms. That's very interesting. 
And you work in marketing. Do you think marketing is a good field to work location independently in? Um, digital marketing, for sure. Um, you can well, you can do the work from anywhere, and and most of the communications around it take place, you know, online. Not surprisingly, um, so so that's you know, marketing is certainly something that lends itself well to you know location independence. But uh, other people work in you know they're software developers of of all kinds or salespeople or uh, a lot of different trades translate well into well uh, location independence. I've found. That's very interesting. And also your girlfriend, Valeria, she's a freelance UX and digital designer, graphic designer. Yes. Yes. So um, it seems like you helped her transition from working in an office in Berlin into being a freelance location independent worker. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did you bring this up with her? Was it a difficult process for her to make this transition? (laughs) Well, I didn't. I didn't have to kind of sell the idea at all. It just kind of emerged quite, quite naturally. It was more like, "Hey, we both enjoy traveling, and we both enjoy sort of, you know, liberty, for the lack of a better word." And and so it it, it kind of dawned on her, I, I think, quite naturally that well, I, you know, we want to do this as a as a team, as a as a couple, basically. So so I, yeah. So I didn't have to kind of nudge her in any way in, in that sense. She just. Uh, it was uh, her her own kind of idea to put it that way. Oh, that sounds that sounds great. And can you tell me a, a little bit about how you and Valeria select the different places that you go to live and work in? Well, we we value a, a lot of different things when it comes to you know uh, locations. Um, I can tell you a couple of the things that we look at maybe. So so obviously you want to live somewhere that is you know. Uh, cost-effective or good value for money that's one thing Um, obviously uh, you want to make sure that it is well connected because every once in a while you do have to go to meetings and you do have to and you do want to go and meet meet your friends elsewhere in the world and you do want to be able for them to come and meet you as well so so that kind of connectivity or uh, the logistical aspect is certainly also important Um, we also value nature um, also so having proximity to 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 good nature is is uh, another factor um, given that we both work in the tech space, um, we do value also the, the kind of tech community. So having access to uh, a bit of a tech scene wherever we go. And we found that in many, many locations, uh, there is some semblance of, an, of a tech industry so that you can network with other people and, um, and hang out with like-minded individuals. Um, so those, I think, are the most, most important ones. I'm forgetting one key thing also, which is weather so obviously if you can spend february um you know somewhere where it's plus 20 well great well that's that's certainly a a big plus as well and um so in order to take all these these factors into account i understand that you and valeria have developed your own special algorithm (laughs) in the form of an excel spreadsheet can you tell me a little bit more about this (laughs) <laughs> well, algorithm is a bit, bit much, but but yeah. So what, what we basically did was we we identified well what what are all the factors that we really you know value and uh, and to what extent do we value them, um, and uh, so that's kind of how it starts. And then we look at okay, well how can how can we get some data uh, to help kind of quantify um, 
quantify these, these factors. So how good is location X in terms of you know cost or travel collection, connections or nature or industry uh, and so forth. So so the the spreadsheet basically outputs well um, it ranks well what are how, how good are the various contenders in terms of all these factors that we value. And have you found that your special algorithm has generally been correct in predicting the places that you both will be the happiest and have the best quality of life? I think so. I mean, interestingly, uh, we we've, we had kind of a few shortlisted ideas as to where we wanted to travel last time around. Um, and then we figured, well, should we just try to get some data uh, around all this rather than just kind of plucking ideas out of out of thin air? Um, and so we went through this whole exercise that I spoke about. Uh, and lo and behold, it spat out the number one contender that we we'd been discussing before. So wow. that was kind of interesting. So in that sense, maybe... Maybe it did help predict uh, where, where we were headed, for sure. And how can I get a hold of this algorithm to use for <laughs> myself? <laughs> Top secret. No, <laughs> you can certainly have it. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I say, I mean, it's a little bit of a joke. It's not, uh, uh, it's one kind of one data point or one, one, one set of data points that we, we use. But, uh, but yeah, that's, it's, it's a quirky thing that we did. And I, I kind of find it funny. funny. <laughs> Um, so tell me a little bit more about preparations. So let's say you have a new place in mind that you've decided we want to go here. What do you do to prepare? What steps you need to take? Well, assuming that you have you have your kind of job down already, your occupation already sort of sorted out, then well, you you start. I, we start by looking at the the logistics of things. So. I mean, first things first, you have to see if you can find a convenient place to live, um, what, what the sort of housing situation is, can you, where can you find good flats, and uh, can you actually get good connectivity, and, and uh, what's, what's the day-to-day -day life like, can you get access to the services that you might want, and, and so forth. So I, it's about the sort of pragmatic stuff, first and foremost. Um, so that's, that's definitely the, uh, the, the biggest hurdle and, and the obvious place to start, I, I think. Um, and so let's say now you've arrived in a new place, you've properly planned everything, you found a nice apartment in a good location with good connections to, you know, the tech scene where, where other people are. What do you first do when you're in a new place? Do you have any special routine or is it different every time? Um, I, well, I think a good thing to kind of start out with is, is making sure that you go to events and, and meet people and and try and you know build a little bit of a, a mini network wherever you've gone, I suppose. Uh, so that's that's the most important thing because otherwise you'll just be bouncing from place to place um, uh, with taking your work with you. So I think that's that's key. Secondly, uh, making sure that you you really give this new location uh, a good shake and and explore everything there is to explore. So uh, I, I mentioned that we value nature and so forth. Make sure that you go go for every single excursion you can think of, you know, within reason. Um, and really immerse yourself into the new place. So yeah, that's that's another big thing. So when you're living and working together, you're spending a lot of time together. For a typical mm -hmm. couple, they go to work in different places and then they come home and spend the evening together. But mm -hmm. you guys are together a lot. So spending so much time together, how do you make time for romance? Oh, good question. And romance well, I think, on the road. I think rather than making time for romance, the way, the way I kind of look at it is how do you compartmentalize your, you know, your work time uh, and separate it from, from you know, the, the romantic side of things. So, so in other words, 
um, yes, you can easily end up spending a lot of time, if not too much time, with each other. But on the other hand, on the other hand, you know that you know between let's say nine to four or whatever it might be, you're in work mode. You're working and and you're both doing your own thing. Sometimes, you know, it's so easy these days to also find find places to work out of. So co-working spaces or really nice cafes or. Um, wherever that might be. So if, if you want to, to get a bit of separation then uh, and just kind of hunker down and, and get some work done on your own, that's easy to do. And that's something, that's, uh, that's something that I, I, I do from time to time as well. And do you think that working together as digital nomads has changed your relationship? And would you recommend it to other couples? Changed it? Um, yes, I'm sure. But in probably in a good way because in some ways, I guess it is a stress test. Um, because let me tell you, it's not all romantic in the sense the whole the whole lifestyle is not all romantic in the sense that it's not all you know beaches and sunsets and um, and so forth. It is also it can be quite inconvenient. Um, so you know, let's say for example that you're you're in a in a noisy airport and you have your de- deadlines and it's plus thirty five degrees and um, and kids are shrieking around you and. Um, and you haven't slept much and and you're supposed to check into your new flat in uh, in four hours and and so forth that that obviously comes with a little quite a bit of you know inconvenience um so you so you really find out if you are compatible with your partner um through that stress test and that is something that i have found so you and valeria have been through a few stress tests together and passed them successfully it sounds like yes absolutely okay that's great to hear and um, how does working remotely affect your relationship with your clients? Do they mind that you're working remotely? Is it the same for them? Does it make a difference if you're in a different time zone? Uh, in short, they don't mind at all. Um, but, but I think that's because I try to pick clients that, um, that don't mind it. And let me tell you, actually, so when I started out in my first year um, just being self-employed, um, I kind of realized pretty quickly that, well, I don't have to be in any particular place. Um, and so as an experiment, I said, well, let's see what happens if I spend the, the winter in, in Spain this year um, as opposed to, to London. And there was, there was no problem, pro- problem whatsoever. Um, and, uh, and the clients didn't mind it at all. They, at the end of the day, a good client only cares about the results and the outcomes. Uh, they don't care if you're, you know, sitting right next to them in a in a in an office, or if you're in, you know, the Bahamas. They don't really they don't really mind. Um, so so the short of it is, um, you know, it makes no difference whatsoever if you pick the right kind of client. That is. Mm-hmm. That's that's very well said. And um, let's change topics a little bit and talk now about preparations, about packing. How is it that you manage to pack minimalistically enough to live in various locations? Can you tell me about that? Well, I think, you know, I whittled down the essentials in, in my sort of uh, packing over the, over the course of a long period of time. I just figured out, well, what do I, what, what actually do I need and what do I use um, on a frequent basis? So I kind of whittled it down from, you know, all the bells and whistles and the normal conveniences just to the essentials, really. So, so for me, it was just a matter of, you know, a process over a lengthy period of time. Um, and, and you do find that y- you don't really need a whole bunch of stuff, or certainly you don't want to travel with, you know, 50 kilos worth of, uh, of stuff. Uh, that's that's kind of pointless. 
and you let's say you're in a in a new location and you see something you want to buy would you avoid buying it because you don't want to have to carry more things with you or would you sometimes buy it how would you handle that um well I wouldn't want to kind of deny myself, um, you know, anything and everything just to keep keep <laughs> stay within the sort of the airline limitations of, you know, carry on baggage or whatever it might be. Absolutely not. Um, but on the other hand, I wouldn't be buying a brand new elliptical or or <laughs> something like that either. So so I think it's just a matter of knowing exactly well, what is it really that you want and need and value. And so and for me, I mean, I don't want to fill my uh, I don't want I don't want a whole bunch of gizmos um, and, and appliances around me, so it's it's quite easy. But if you do find something that you really do want, such as a you know a, a souvenir of some kind, um, you, well, you make the sacrifice, and if needs be, you even uh, upgrade or downgrade to a bigger piece of uh, a bigger bag. And how is it for Valeria? Is it the same situation for her with packing? That if she really wants something, she'll she'll get it, and otherwise um, she'll uh, leave it or uh, well, I think f for her, maybe even for for you know women in general, I don't know. Uh, it's it's harder uh, to you know live as minimalistically as for a guy. Controversial opinion, but that's <laughs> just what I think. Um, but um, but I think you know she's kind of gone through the same process of when we started out, you know, with this kind of more location independent lifestyle. Um, she had an enormous bag. That of course I was carrying, <laughs> and and then you know over time she also whittled it down to just you know fewer uh, fewer things, and you you realize well what what do you actually need? What do you want to, to kind of you know have with you? And how did she whittle it down? Did she give things away, for instance? Yeah, uh, she gave quite a few things away. She sold a whole bunch of things as well, um, and just kind of full disclosure, she she does have. Or she did have, I think, until very recently, uh, a cache in Berlin, like a, a bit of a storage um, unit with uh, with some stuff in it. However, she's been whittling that that one down as well. So, wow, that's that's good to hear. She's really um, keeping it easy, keeping it simple mm -hmm. for the road. So, can you tell me what's one country that the two of you haven't worked remotely in yet, but that you would like to? That's on your list. Ooh. So we haven't spent all that much time around, you know, Croatia and Slovenia um, and those that that area. So probably one of those two I wouldn't mind uh, visiting and spending some more time in. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to go with with two. Oh, actually, I'll just say that area in general is something I want to want to explore more of. Is it in your pipeline, your travel pipeline or not yet? It, it is in the pipeline, yes, but uh, I can't quite position it in the timeline yet. We'll have to stay tuned for that. Indeed. And uh, what advice would you give to other people who want to follow in your footsteps but don't quite aren't quite sure yet? Um, I would say don't quit your day job quite yet. Um, see, uh, let's say that you are still um, working. You know, let's say for a corporation and and you're toying around with the idea of uh, doing something. Well, what we're doing basically then. Well, see, just first of all, how easy it is, is it for you to kind of sustain yourself and, and build up your own business or secure a job that lets you go where you want to go? Um, and so I would not say don't kind of just uh, wing it, quit your job and, and sort of see how it works out. Um, it's easy to kind of or it's you can start by finding, you know, 
smaller assignments, a small client on the side and see, well, do I really like the idea of working for myself and building up my own business? Um, or or am, am I actually more kind of, well, just conventional in that sense? There's nothing wrong with that either. And um, since I know that you and Valeria are both in your early 30s, how do you think children fit into the digital nomad lifestyle? Could you imagine yourself doing it with children? Oh, I'm, hmm. I have actually met um, people who do do it with children. I don't really know if it, it is the best idea. I mean, I could imagine that it, it, it could be quite stressful for, for kids. Um, so it's not sort of maybe my first preference, no. I think um, spending extended times uh, extended, extended periods of time with children somewhere else is probably a good idea, but sort of, you know, frequently moving from one place to the next, uh, I, I, it's probably not the best idea. And I'm not a specialist in this area at all yet. Well, it would probably make the, the lifestyle a little bit more, more complicated and a little bit more challenging because you have more things to take into consideration, yeah, especially yeah. once they get I to will school say age. Absolutely. But I will say, though, I, I have seen it done. Uh, so I know that it is possible. Um, and it's it did not seem, you know, extremely stressful to me. But uh, but then again, I don't know if it's if it's for everybody, if, if it suits every kind of family constellation. So, yeah, sure. That that makes sense. And um, what about the two of you now? What does the future hold for you and Valeria Lars? Well, I think well, we will still remain quite, let's say, mobile. I mean, we are exploring uh, a few places that we want to spend more time in. So, so we want to we want to kind of commit ourselves to just a couple of places, um, uh, and uh, so we are toying around with the idea of, of Portugal. Um, we've spent uh, quite a bit of time there over the past couple of years, and so so it's we're going to spend our time just between uh, two three places. Um, and not kind of bounce around just quite as much. And what is it about Portugal that is so attractive to you? Well, it ticks a lot of boxes, actually. So I mentioned the back various factors. Back to the factors, algorithm. The, yeah, back to the algorithm. So I mentioned the various factors that we look at, and, and Portugal ticks a lot of those boxes. Uh, but I will say, you know, about you know, Portugal in particular and the algorithm, at the end of the day, you also just have to see, well, how, how do I really feel in this place? Is Does it have the vibe that I... That I that I'm looking for and that I like, or um, or is it just is it just not right for me? And um, and well, and Portugal, um, it uh, it has a a very nice feel to it, and we we like it very much. Well, I know a couple other people interested in moving to Portugal, so I think you guys will not be the only expats there. Is my guess. Wow, there you go. Uh, so, Lars, before I let you leave today, I want to ask you three final questions that I'm asking all of my guests. So I mm -hmm. hope you don't mind. The first, mm -hmm. um, the first question is: What is one book that changed your life that you recommend everybody read? Oh, I can't name one book. I really can't name one book. I read a lot of obscure stuff, um, and uh, you want to name any authors that have been very influential for you? Pass. <laughs> pass. I'm sorry. Okay. So, what about your top healthy coping mechanism for times of stress? Do you have something you turn to? That is simpler, actually, easier. So in a word, it, nature, I mean, that, that's the, the one mm -hmm. thing that helps this, you know, stress melt away for me. It's just, you know, heading out in, heading out in the green. 
um, that's that always seems to do the trick for me. That coupled with uh, with exercise. So I mean, nothing beats having a having a run um, through the woods when, uh, if you're if you're feeling sort of stressed out. You know, that's that's it's simple, but that's what worked for me. Well, I'm guessing nature and ability to exercise were very highly rated on your algorithm. A lot Absolutely. of weight behind them. <laughs> okay. And my final question for you today, what place in the world do you think is the most beautiful and that you would recommend everybody visit? Mm, Finland. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. The, there are so many good places. And, you know, once again, going back to this algorithm, um, you know, you, you can kind of value a place in, in so many different ways. Um, so a lot of places they have, well, most most places have something going for them um, in terms of just going for nature again um, you know it's hard to beat something like you know Asia but New Zealand also I mean there are so many good places I can't give you a satisfactory answer well I think we'd have to take a look at your special algorithm to really understand more <laughs> information well thank you for your time Lars and thank you for sharing your story about how you have made possible um, to travel on the world, to travel around the world and work together with your girlfriend. Thanks for being my first guest. Thank you. Okay, good luck on your travels. Keep us updated. Cheers. Bye.